Oh, hello. Hang on. Wrong. Wrong everything. Yep. That's better. That's better. No hum, and I can hear you better. That is per now. We're perfect. Perfect. Now you're in my well, ear. I don't know about perfect. No, we're perfect. We're perfect. Like, come well, on. If you say so. Yeah, I'm. I do. I do say so. I'm taking. I'm okay. Yeah. This, All right. This, well, I'm. Who am I to disagree with you? Exactly. Uh, you're gonna. <laughs> this is this is why we do the show to really to pump each other up. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm thinking about that uh, SNL bit now. The we're to pump you up. Pump you up. Yeah. Hans and Franz. Hans and Franz. Hans we're, and Franz. We're the Hans and Franz of podcasting, man. We're, we're the Hans and Franz of food safety. I'm going to go even further. <laughs> we're, we're not only the Hans and Franz of podcasting, and I mean there might be other Hans and Franz in podcasting, but definitely not in food safety. This is this is our right. Oh, we're the Hans and Franz of food safety podcasting. Wow, that that could be. <laughs> I that think that's indisputable. Be, that's indisputable. That's no one's going to even. No one could even find a comparator. There are other like there's other people out there like there's a uh, maybe a um, I don't know like a Wayne's World of food safety podcasting that's not us. Um, there, no, can't be can't be both. About, can um, we? Uh, not Wayne's World. Uh, what's the other one? The great? How about the great? Could we be the Great White North of uh, well, Albert, the, or not Canadian enough? Wow, I mean, one of us is the <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, uh, I meant on average. Right, right, right. The, well, and you know what? It might actually average out uh, that we are Canadian enough. <laughs> Doug, Doug and Doug and Bob McKenzie. The yeah, the yes. McKenzie brothers. McKenzie. Yeah, uh, I get. Uh, if you want, I can send you a, a toque. That uh, the in in a case of uh, Molson Molson uh, uh, Canadian or or oh. I, I think yeah I see take off, the, eh? it, yeah take <laughs> out yeah come on hoser uh, <laughs> uh, yeah so uh, we I think we've we've got that sorted out um, would we <laughs> are we are we the um, are we the bunk and McNulty of food safety podcasting oh Jesus which would one we go that far. <laughs> Which right, well, well that's yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be either one. I want to be Lester Freeman. Oh, just sitting yeah. there quietly making doll furniture and, oh. and being smart. He Lester I, I, I mean, maybe who like we could be the Lester Freeman and um what's his name? Prisbalewski of uh podcasting. <laughs> Which one of us has a has a gun that's gonna shoot up the station? Shoot himself in the foot, exactly. Yeah. Or uh uh, um, maybe we're the uh, um, oh Stryker Bell and mm. um, and who's who's the other guy uh, Ant, a, not, Stringer not, Bell and Avon Barksdale St yeah Avon Avon I was gonna say uh, Antoine but that's uh that that's a different yeah Avon and Stringer maybe that's who we are mm, I don't think so <laughs> I don't know I mean if we if <laughs> you know counter counterculture we're, uh, we're 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 against the system uh <laughs> it's in the game yeah maybe well, one of us is one of us is against the system the other one of us is against the system against against the system <laughs> i don't even know how to say that correctly yeah that's uh, true this is true um sorry i had to hey had so to speaking of canadian yep. content yeah i got i got some canadian content for you in the dropbox Oh, let me go to the Dropbox podcast next today at 11. This from today. Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, this uh, would be. So, so uh, do, well, so do yeah. let's. So we'll, I'll, I'll, let me walk us through this. Okay. okay. So I, I was approached 
um, by the uh, radio personality slash podcaster, Shane Hewitt, um, who has a show called The Shift to do an interview. Um, And and the interview was about this. And we should definitely talk about this horrible outbreak uh, that's going on in Canada that's linked to... um, uh, school lunch uh, or or daycare center lunches, right? Yes, yes. Um, and, and so Shane wanted to have me on his podcast slash radio show to talk about this. And I don't know how he found me, um, but I said, "Hey, I'm I would I would love to do that." And we had a really nice chat uh, yesterday, and it went on to the radio because apparently that's how this works. Sometimes you you record something on a podcast and then it ends up on the radio, <laughs> and uh, a, a friend of the friend of the pod. Uh, Lynn um, uh, shares this this story. I just listened to you on the radio. Uh, My uh, partner was falling asleep, but he has the radio on. He called me to listen (laughs) to you. He thought I would like to listen. And he was right. Well done. Um, and then this person also shares, and I, I don't, we don't, we shouldn't like compromise who they are because this, no. they didn't share yeah. this for purposes of sharing on the podcast. But uh, apparently this, the person, this listener said, I talked to the person in charge of testing for all the food from the kitchens in Calgary and they likely won't find the source of 0157H7. Um, I've heard all kinds of rumors. The kitchen didn't source their meat from a reputable source. Uh, possible that cow intestines may have been ground into the meat. Oh. Uh, yeah. So that was the worst. She said that she heard from from a meat scientist colleague. Um, and uh, they and she they also indicate that they have uh, an inspector that's coming to teach in their class tomorrow, and he's going to get some questions about the outbreak. And and yeah, this we talked about this uh, when it this, the news first broke. But yep. there's there's hundreds of kids sick from this, it's, right? This it's is huge. this yeah. is yeah, it's huge. And and again, there is. I mean, there was some early speculation um, in some of these news reports that the outbreak uh, was uh, a couple of parents apparently had done some amateur armchair epidemiology and had indicated, arrived separately at the conclusion that it was the meatloaf. Yeah. Um, Now, that has yet to be confirmed by public health, um, but... But if you look at the when the kids got sick and the menu that they were likely served, it seems it seems likely. I mean, again, I haven't done a detailed analysis of of the epi, but but boy, oh boy, somebody screwed up big time to get this many kids. I, I'm very curious what the denominator is, right? Like I'm always interested in in that. And and 300 on the numerator, uh, how many kids were potentially fed this meal from this this food service provider? Um, yeah. Wow. Um, I don't it's, know. Do you, right. you, yeah. So what have you been, have you been, you've been following this? I know. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. I've got, so I have, um, I, I have family, um, who are, uh, in Calgary who have kids that are daycare age. Ooh, um, wow. they're not, they're not part of the outbreak, but they've got, they, they know friends who, who mm, are. Yeah. Um, so I just sent you, I think what the most recent thing I saw about your question about the denominator, mm-hmm. um, and it's not, a hundred percent clear, but, mm-hmm. um, was this the one that I, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, this one, uh, is, uh from, uh, it's about a week ago now, uh, mm-hmm. 350 lab confirmed yeah. cases, huge, Oof. right? So 350 um, confirmed cases. Yes. No, how many unconfirmed, right? Right, right. And, and so eight patients still receiving care at, um, uh, at Alberta's children's hospital for HUS, um, two of the kids on dialysis, uh, it impacted 11 daycares, 
Um, and at the, the last line of this article says something really interesting to me. A total wow. of 825 children connected to the outbreak have been cleared to return to daycare. So what does that mean, I don't, to be right, connected I, to the outbreak? Is that that they were in daycare facilities where there were illnesses? Does this mean that they had symptoms? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But but it's like so so let's oh, let, let's So one one one, yeah. one more interesting thing which we had kind of uh, alluded to I think the last time we talked about it and the penultimate um sentence in this article the number of lab confirmed secondary cases yeah. remains at 27 and so again for listeners that may not know a secondary case is not someone who ate the implicated food but who got sick from being around someone who ate the implicated food which in a daycare center or with young kids i mean you know i we don't know any any demographics on the 27 uh but that is definitely i mean daycare centers are notorious for for spreading these the fecal oral uh uh, you know, cases. And so um, very, very interesting that, that they've got that number and they've, they've, they've quantified it. Yeah, it, man. So the other thing that I, I'll share that I think was in like, um, I don't know if it's, it, it's notable. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I'll uh, send you a link to another article that's about uh, two weeks old now, uh, we, we're 10 days. Um, mm -hmm that says six Calgary daycares issued partial closures after more children test positive for E. coli. And these are not daycares that are linked to the kitchen that oh. the, the shared, um, you know, the, the, let's just call it the commissary kitchen. Um, so, so this, this was, again, came from, from my people on the inside, um, mm -hmm. and, and the information that uh, was like, this is weird. What does this mean? And it could be that we're dealing with secondary infections of yep. kids or siblings, but it's not, there's not a lot of de details. So, yeah. so um, Alberta's chief well, medical officer. And, oh yeah. The, and the, the, the subhead, uh, Premier believes children moving from previously impacted facilities led to spread. Right. right? So that's, that's kind of the punchline there, right? That's what they, that's what they think. And think, that there yeah. might be secondary or not like people that were not showing symptoms before um but but they then went ahead and closed those daycares as well so right. gosh yeah the, it, i mean this is um it, so uh it, certainly it's uh been highlighted as the largest e coli outbreak in canadian history um so that's not that's again notable not not something that um you want to uh to have um but man, so like, yeah, I, I, I agree with, with our, our other informant, um, mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that will likely never know this, the exact source epidemiologically is, as you said, it might be related to, to this meatloaf. Um, but you know, cross-contamination could certainly be an issue. Um, and, and I, I, I think what this does is it puts a spotlight on just, you know, kitchens and congregate nutrition sites or, um, commissaries that are serving high risk populations like kids. And it's an area that we, it, 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 it's, you know, I, and I'll, I, um, I, I gave, I gave a talk, uh, last week to, to WAFTO. And and that's it's different from AFTO, which is the Association of Food and Drug Officials. It's the Western Association of Food and Drug Officials. Um, and uh, you know, one one of the my soapboxes right now is that there's a lot of money and 
effort that goes into a lot of different areas of like food manufacturing when it comes to food safety. And there's not a lot of, I, I, you know, relative to that, not a lot of, um, not a lot of resources that go into retail food safety from the academic world, like you, you and I, like there's, you know, there, there really are a handful of folks nationally that are working in like food service or, or retail um, food, food safety. And it's even, it's an even smaller amount of people that are working on high risk populations in, in, in food service. You know, like I, it, I, I, I know of three or four different, um, uh, research projects and papers that are, that are out there in these areas. It's, but it's not, it's not a lot. I had, had a chance to work on one that Angie Fraser led a few years ago, actually a long, number of years ago now, um, our colleague at, at Clemson university, but gosh, it's not a, there's not a lot of people that work in this area. Um, and so I in, just think in it, the area of daycare food safety, you mean? Yeah. Daycare or, food safety. Yeah. 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 Like that. And it's, it is a, it's it's a high risk population. If things go bad, they go bad like this, right? It's it's right. different from you know, not not that a norovirus outbreak it, it, it impacting 600 people is not bad, but uh you know, an E. coli 157H7 outbreak within a a child population, right? Like these are these are kids that are um not of school age. So it's yeah, it's whew, this this one's you know, it's, it's pretty wild, but I think we need more, like, I think we need more focus on, on this area. And I, I don't think, I think the fact that it's happening in Canada means that people in the U S are not going to care. Right. Like right. It, right. it's the same, it's the same food service, right? Calgary right. looks the right. same as Raleigh, but more, more than likely. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, yeah. not super familiar with, with this segment of the market, but, uh, you know, speaking of people who have studied, um, microbiology of daycare centers, would you, would you care to guess who might have done that? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you. somebody who studies the microbiology of a lot of different things. Oh, uh, uh our, our friend, Dr. Gerba <laughs> got it in one. Good yep, job. Yep. 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 See, at least, at least, uh, at least one article. Uh, I know cause he, he's done actually, I think some of this might've been in collaboration with Gojo or with, or with other companies that look at disinfectants. So, and he was, and this is not food microbiology, but this is just microbiology. Um, couple of articles, occurrence of influenza, a virus on household and daycare center fomites, uh, for example. Um, and another, uh, completely unrelated thing that I just have to share, cause I think it's quite funny. Um, when you were mentioning WAFTO, um, I, I typed in WAFTO and I hit the, uh, enter, I typed it into the search bar and I, or the, the address bar and I just hit enter. Um, and, um, it took me to a, a website called, uh, waffles at noon, um, which, uh, is all about hoaxes and rumors. Um, so, uh, that's an interesting thing that came into my life today unexpectedly. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's interesting. <laughs> I did not go to that meeting. Uh, <laughs> that was a pretty good meeting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and I, I mean, is, you know, I'm, is answering such important questions as is showering during a thunderstorm dangerous? Can you burn a crayon in an emergency? Um, 10 highly educated rock stars, um, classic urban legend, coconut deaths versus shark attack deaths. And, um, did Kissinger call military men, dumb, stupid animals. So, wow. you know, that's wow. the front page of waffles at noon today. It's not been uh, updated for a while. This goes back to 2016, but still pertinent. It does. Uh, it does. But <laughs> yeah. details, details, detail. I, what, one thing I, um, 
I will highlight, and this is a joke not all of our listeners are going to get, but this is the show where we allow we are allowed to talk about waffles. <laughs> it's the other one that we're not allowed to waffle. Oh, we can yeah. we can always talk about waffles. We just are not supposed. We, here's the uh, here's the thing. On the other show, we do our best not to waffle. On we this show, <laughs> we 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 just do what we do. <laughs> On this show, it's waffles at noon and all throughout the day. That's uh, that's the way that I think about it. I, I, all right, I, all right. Yeah, I like waffles. Um, so yeah. Well, I, I we we might, I'm not having waffles at noon, but we might be waffling at noon given we, the time that we're starting this recording. We might, we might. Um, so this this one, can you burn a crayon? <laughs> um, in an emergency, I, I mean, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> I think the answer is yes. <laughs> you can burn a crayon anytime you want. Anyone? There's no rule against it. You can burn a crayon, a crayon at noon if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Light uh, one up, you know, smoke them if you got them. Is it? Is it <laughs> uh, do you only do that on 420 or can you burn a crayon, crayon at noon on any day? <laughs> Only oh, on 420. We we have we this has devolved, I think. Um <laughs> uh so um yeah, so this I mean, I, I don't know if there's anything else that we want to talk about on the uh, on the Calgary daycare situation, but this is the kind of thing in Canada that is along the same lines as the outbreak that was linked to um water supply system in Walkerton, Ontario yeah. back in 2020, almost 25 years ago, which is wild to say well um, it, it's it's funny i did i did mention what because i was trying to i was trying to like i was trying to like front you know that i knew canadian content oh, yeah. when i was talking with shane and i mentioned walkerton and he's like oh that was a long time ago i'm like well, <laughs> i didn't say anything it was like i'm looking dude you're as old as i am or maybe yeah. almost uh but don't be yeah, so but whatever i mean it's like eh, what, yeah whatever I, I mean i here i'm trying to, i'm just trying to represent the you know canadian content and you're right you're shaming me for making old references i guess well what you know whatever um that's not uh that's not neither here nor there um <laughs> uh and and good job oh, i got into trying... tim horton he was talking about the lousy oh, coffee my. that he had in minnesota we we're talking about why you know differences between canadian inspection u.s inspection and and all that and i started talking about minnesota and then you know because they have such good public health and then he was talking about how he had a terrible um a terrible coffee twice in minnesota and i i i you know pulled out my tim hortons reference so i was <laughs> i was like firing on all cylinders <laughs> well this is good um i i will say as well that um uh, his he he has the the perfect canadian kind of uniform um mm -hmm. if you look at at uh, his picture shane hewitt on the mm -hmm. shift mm -hmm. uh a, 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 a nice hoodie with what mm -hmm. looks like maybe a rain a rain jacket over top which is most of the time what i would wear if i was not mm -hmm. uh here on campus i like uh i like a good hoodie and i like uh you know my in, especially in well i guess maybe not was he in where where is he located was he in calgary uh, that's a good question. No, Vancouver, um, Vancouver. Oh, Looks Vancouver, like, yeah. yeah. West Coast. That, yeah. That's a Vancouver uniform if I've ever seen one. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because it, 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 it rains mm. there a lot. But it, it was fascinating. So so I had the option of doing a live thing, which would have been like, I think he does overnights. And so that was not happening. Um, or I could do a pre-recorded one, which I did yesterday in the in the late uh, late evening or late, late, sorry, late afternoon. But yeah, he was talking to me about his demographics. And it's a really interesting bunch of people, you know, from 
truckers who are driving all night to people who are working shift doing shift work to people who are up commuting early in the morning and uh yeah it was just it was just super cool to talk with them um and i was i, I was glad for the opportunity oh that's awesome um so la- last week while you were cheating on me on your your <clears> podcast <throat> um i went to as i mentioned i went to not Wafto. not waffles but wa- but wafto um, and I want to give a, a, like a couple of shouts out because, um, the, it, it, this was, uh, um, a, a really, it was a really great, like I, a really great meeting and it was not just WAFTO, it was WAFTO and, um, a, a FDA regional meeting, they combined them. So, mm-hmm. so there was one day that was, there was WAFTO, then there was another day that was WAFTO. And then there was the FDA Pacific regional retail food safety seminar. Um, and so we'll link to the um to to the agenda um in this i uh um i the i want to give a shout out to someone who we have talked about here on the podcast um in, in the past uh and someone who uh, virtually came to cfp a couple of years ago to talk about um an area of food safety that i find fascinating, which is, and I'm just going to read the title. This is, uh, the person is uh, Tui Vu from Tui Vu Consulting. And Tui uh, is a former um, Denver um, health inspector, environmental health specialist from the city of Denver. Uh, And back about, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago, uh, Tui became kind of Denver's specialist on um, how to regulate uh, cannabis products in edibles. And now Tui is doing, she presented on new and emerging food safety concerns around novel consumer products, cannabis. Okay, so we're good on that one, right? Hemp, um, uh, psilocybin, I think I said that correctly. Do you know what that is? Uh Uh-oh. Did I lose you? Are Sorry, you I'm me? just on mute because I was yep. getting the jacket. Um, psilocybin yep. is how you say S- that. Psilocybin. Magic mushrooms. Magic mushrooms. I only know them as as mushrooms. I don't know their their technical name. Uh, kratom or kratome and cava. And anyway, Tui gave like I, I've seen I've seen Tui talk two or three times. Every time is fascinating to me because of the the nuances of these things are legal, but we don't have a real good way to understand safety aspects and and there because of the like federal like Ill- illegalness of them Ill- illegality uh, of them i guess is maybe the be- the better word but in some jurisdictions like oregon and and colorado um that you know mushrooms kratom cava these are all things that that people are uh incorporating into foods and gosh it is I mean, I, I I think it's fascinating. I also think it's like wonderful that that Tui is the like. There's no one else really talking about this out there, um, and so if you are looking for a speaker, you need someone um, to uh, to help with some of these issues. Contact her. We'll link to something, maybe her consulting um, website here, and not that she sponsors the show or anything, but um, she's just one of the more more fascinating speakers that I've seen out there um yeah so. no that, that and actually i'm just realizing <clears throat> that i wanted to link or share with you we had a recent speaker um uh at the um njafp new jersey association for food protection which is our local iafp affiliate um and we had uh, a lawyer uh speak about 
cannabis regulations in New Jersey, which our local public health people are, are super interested in. And we actually recorded it. And um, the webmaster um, for their website, which is me, um, forgot to post it. So uh, we will get that up and get that posted. But this is a, an individual that I met when he and I took we spoke about this before when he and I gave presentations for the uh, cannabis certificate course that's offered by Rutgers. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and one of the, you know, the fascinating things about this whole regulatory area is, um, yeah, it's illegal at the federal level, but states are legalizing it. And of course, it's a, it's in all different states of various legalization. And so it really makes for some interesting, uh, interesting times. But uh, yeah, we should. Yeah, I, that would be great if we could get Tui to come and talk to our group, because I know that that is a topic that um, our members uh, in, in New Jersey, uh, the New Jersey affiliate are quite interested in. Yeah, it was. um yeah, it, it's an area that like I don't know anywhere else to turn to with with my questions on it. So it's always cool right. to see Tui give an update uh, on where things are, you know, from a regulatory standpoint. Um, uh, also, I spent time on a panel with um, a colleague, uh, Beth Glynn from Starbucks, and we talked a little bit about um, process authorities and challenge studies and some of the complications that people have at retail. And I just thought that was a it was a really cool conversation to hear Starbucks's approach to to what they do for all of their products as they develop them. Um, you know, sort of making sure not only they're in compliance with the food code, obviously, but doing a bunch of additional microbiology um, on them because of risk management. And so uh, very, very, very cool um conversation so anyway i, I, I and I'll, I'll give another shout out to ken boyer who uh, invited me uh he's the president of wafto um and uh ken uh yeah i, I, I always appreciate uh being on a um so, you know someone's um agenda well not someone's agenda ken's agenda he's he's invited me to a couple other um meetings and i really i appreciate it it was a fun it was a fun time i got to see a bunch of people from from all over the place uh that you know friendly faces from uh um from hawaii uh, and in alaska and other folks from the uh fda pacific regional uh group so yeah yeah that's so cool uh, looking looking at the the wafta website um it is a really interesting mix of people so it says food drug and medical device regulatory officials industry and academia from alaska alberta arizona british columbia california colorado yeah. guam hawaii idaho mexico montana nevada new mexico uh northern marina islands oregon utah washington wyoming wow that is a diverse bunch of folks yeah yeah oh it is and and a diverse bunch of regulatory landscapes right like yeah. if you think of washington state and oregon being really really um i you know I'll, i i'd say progressive when it comes to mm -hmm. cannabis sure. and um and also public health um but you know mm -hmm. and and then Alaska's got a lot, you know, um, a couple of regulators who I've interacted with from Alaska over the last few years. You know, there's a real like sovereignty, food sovereignty issues, you know, like um, food freedom, basically deregulating cottage foods. Uh, so it's it's really it's an really, really interesting group. And uh, yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I appreciate being around. Um, our, our friends in the world of uh, local and state public health and um, and environmental health. And they, they have the greatest stories. Like, I mean, just sitting around at a reception talking about, 
you know, uh, things that they they're seeing new, new issues, um, things that businesses are trying to do that they want to help them with, but just it's, it, it is always my favorite, my, you know, my favorite groups to go out, um, to, to hang out with. So shout out, you know, uh, lots, lots of folks, Joe cloud, we know from CFP was there, Troy Huffman, um, also from, from CFP and, um, in Colorado was there. So, um, it, you know, it, it, and, uh, and, and also shout out to, uh, to Robert Warwick from, uh, uh, uh from uh, Colorado as well. So I interacted with a bunch of different folks and it was fun and actually got to hang out with one of my former students who now works for FDA, uh, Katie Overby. And, uh, and oh, she yeah. was there. Yeah. Katie was talking about, um, additives, uh, and, and the regulatory landscape <clears throat> that FDA has in, in that area. Uh, so yeah, it was really, it was great, great couple of days. So, um, and then you, I wanted to talk to you uh, a, a little bit about your your trip last week or or the week before or both. Uh, I guess it was last week in uh, in Rome at, at FAO, right? Yeah, and we we sort of talked about this already on uh, the episode of Risky or Not that we uh, right. episodes on Risky or Not that we uh, that we talked about. Um, uh, and yeah, and it was re- it was really interesting. So it was. Uh, uh, Hold on, let me let me find the information so I can get it uh, up exactly correct here in just a minute. But yeah, basically it was to meet and talk about viruses, and it was the people that I hung out with. I learned a whole lot because it was not. I mean, some of the usual suspects were there in terms of virology, right? Like, so the the group was chaired by uh, IAFP past president Callie Neal. Um, another IAFP past president, Leanne Jacobs, was there uh, for her norovirus and, and general virology expertise. Um, but then there were a whole bunch of people there that were not necessarily food virologists. They were just straight up virologists who study viruses that are perhaps sometimes transmitted through food. Um, uh, sitting um, on my uh, uh, right at the at the meeting was uh, Joanne Hewitt, who is a uh, uh, New Zealand virologist who who gets involved in testing all different kinds of things and just really a lot of great information coming from her. Um, uh, met um, somebody from Virginia Tech, uh, X J Meng, who is an hepatitis E virologist, and just just and that's just a few of the people that I met. Like just so many really interesting people that I never I never would have had the chance to have met. I would never. We don't travel to the same meetings. We don't run in the same circles. But we were all there together, really, to help FAO um, with this th- one part of this three part charge that was given to them. Um, by the Codex Committee on Food Hygiene. And it was just, uh, it was just a, re- I mean, of course, then Rome. Oh, and then, of course, I would say, too, it was um, uh, the um, person that kind of um, nominally in charge at, at FAO was our friend and colleague, Jeff Lejeune, um, who is now uh, firmly ensconced at FAO. He's been there, I think, seven years now and really loves it and and get to spend some time with him and his lovely wife, uh, Susan Gruders. And uh, yeah, just a del- absolutely delightful time. Rome is a wonderful city. Um, just great, great food, uh, great sites, great conversations, uh, just a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful time. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and, and hopefully soon we will have, um, I think the executive summary is going to be published quite soon. Um, and then the report will come, uh, soon after or relatively soon after we're, we're working on it right now, not supposed to talk about it, but certainly I can mention, you know, that we had the meeting and what the charge was and who the committee members were, but, uh, yeah, it looks, uh, 
it looks like it's going to end it. And again, it looks like there's going to be more meetings, maybe one more specifically focused on quantitative risk assessment, uh, which uh, hopefully I'll be able to be involved with as well. But just a really, yeah, really, really fun, uh, fun time. Um, very different from what you did at WAFTO, but also very much related to sort of at the uh, activities at the cutting edge of food safety. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, very, very cool. And, um, you know, we will we'll, uh, link to our to be posted episode uh, where, we, where we talk a little bit about this on um, risky or not. And just that, you know, that hepatitis E is, is something that I find fascinating. Um, and that, you know, that that was, again, as you said, something that that came up uh, quite a bit in the in the discussions. And, and it's yeah, I, I it, you know, I, I have a few like. I have a few favorite pathogens that I think we're not like we don't talk about enough. Hepatitis C is on the list, and so is Toxoplasma gondii. Um, mm-hmm. I just find them so like they're they're outside of the normal like things that we that we talk about and and focus on. But I, I think it's like they're they become emerging issues uh, for us. Um, speaking of an emerging issue, this is something has evaporated from the internet. And maybe you oh. can find it. Yeah. Hmm. So, so um, I, uh, I believe you, you or I, but I think it was me. I put something in our in our Dropbox about um, an outbreak of botulism reportedly linked to consuming home canned sardines at a restaurant in Bordeaux, France. Are you are you familiar with the I, with this? I I do remember that. Yes. Yeah, well, I will. I would like to send you a link to that that goes to nothing. Ooh. It's been I can't find it on the CDC website anymore. Anyway, but we we Weird. did we preserved this. Uh, no, no pun intended. <laughs> um, but this is uh, one. Okay, so um, from from the report that that was posted that I can't seem to find, and maybe we'll be able to find a link uh, eventually. But I am going to send a broken link to you, Don. Um, that that. Uh, what we can put into the Dropbox. Um, oh, I wonder if it maybe. Hang on, maybe this will do it. No, still not working. Um, so uh, the French health authorities reported a, a suspected outbreak of foodborne botulism in Bordeaux, France, reportedly linked to consuming home canned sardines served at a restaurant. Um, mm. The outbreak primarily affected people, including two U.S. citizens who traveled to Bordeaux from outside of France, which is interesting. Um, and so, um, you know, this the, there were some uh, um, uh, like media coverage of this, too. Um, and so we'll link to a couple of, uh, uh, you know, uh, things. There was a New York Times article that, that came out on this. We'll link to that. Um, but one person, one person died. Um, mm. Yeah, it was uh, linked to a, a place called Chin Chin Wine Bar, an organic wine bar in central Bordeaux that's popular with foreign tourists. Um, uh, although re- test results are pending, uh, French health authorities said they were confident that the botulism, that botulism, an extremely rare, potentially life-threatening illness, was the cause, and they blamed uh, homemade oil-based sardine preserves. Uh, yeah, not, homemade, not, homemade. Right, that's so, the key word there. Yeah, yeah. So this this whole thing came up in 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 our you know in in a couple of my discussions at, at Wafto, um, and uh, gosh, man, this is like um, this is why we don't do home canned sardines. I think that are in mm. you know in retail settings and restaurants, right? Like the, yeah, 
this is why this this would certainly be like a um like a low acid canned food uh or you know like would would you know fall under the those regulations that we have here in the US but god this one's like this one's particularly scary to me because it could be that we've got um a a a, a restaurant you know a wine bar that that doesn't know the risk of this it could be that that they're like someone who worked there made it it could be that they made it on you know on on site but um it also like why would you as a person who goes to this restaurant even think about it right like if you you you're gonna get you're gonna order sardines you don't know that they're home you know home canned and that there might be a, a risk like this is a i don't know this one's an interesting one to me yeah, because I mean, I've been to I've been to wine bars, right? And and yeah, basically they they have wine uh, and they have like snacks and you and the snacks. I mean, they don't open if you get sardines, they don't open up the can in front of you, right? Like it's it comes right. out on a plate, and you just trust that the restaurant knows what they're doing. Um, wow, yeah. So a couple of things from the New York Times article that I think will be exciting for you and me. <laughs> uh, Is it the very artisanal method? It's yes, yes, you already got it. Yeah, yeah. The, the restaurant owner acknowledged that some of the preserves had a quote bad smell. Bad smell. Yeah, yeah. Huh. But he said the ones he served to the customers appeared to be safe. Well, well, appeared, it appeared to be safe be. to, to yeah. him to yeah. him looking at the yeah. you know Thierry Thierry Tuzet a local official official in charge of consumer safety, said on Wednesday at a news conference that the establishment was quote rather well run and had never been reported for health violations in the past, but the owner had a very artisanal uh, method for making the sardine preserves. Um, oh, so I, this is these are preserves that were made by the restaurant. I think that's right? what it sounds like, yeah. Because when you first were describing it, it sounds like they just bought it from somebody that made it, but wow. Yeah, yeah, so, oof. Yeah. Um, the authorities confiscated the preserve stored at the wine bar pending test results. Uh, 25 customers potentially ate the sardines, potentially ate them. <laughs> Adding investigators okay. were using credit card receipts and booking information to track them down. The main challenge is to contact customers who are not yet hospitalized. Yeah, that that is the main. That, that's one of the main challenges. Uh, <laughs> man. Um, also, OK, the, the other thing, uh, just as a follow up to our conversation um i think it was in our last episode maybe oh wait sorry um, sorry i just have to i have to read this um because apparently uh involved in this uh, quoted in the new york times article is a dr clouseau <laughs> so I no cannot, I no cannot, there's not uh, yes yes benjamin clouseau he's a he's a relative of yours uh same, oh. same first name um, he Such noted that the illness was exceptionally rare, but quote, very fast moving, uh, quote, from the moment it attacks the nerves, it blocks them, end quote, he said. So, um, and I can, I can imagine him, uh, falling over, uh, <laughs> and bumping into things as he says that. <laughs> oh man. Oh gosh. Does, does, do you think he asked if the dog bites, does your dog bite? Uh, yes. one of my, one of my favorite, uh, uh, quotes from the Pink Panther and uh, my mm. yeah, uh, Benjamin Clouseau's uh, friend, uh, uh, cousin, uh, Inspector Clouseau. Yes. Uh, uh, okay, so a more more follow up, a Wafto related follow up, mm. um, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna out opsec or 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 out um, one of the great listeners to our show, someone who I got to hang out with and had dinner with. 
um, a friend of the show who's an environmental health specialist in an unnamed uh, Washington State County. Um, but I, I'm going to read from an email um, that, that this individual sent to, to you and I, because I, I think um, she asks a really, really pertinent question in um, the really in the subject uh, of this email. Um, and it's it's really a follow up to an outbreak that we talked about in the last episode, um, this listeria outbreak in Washington state linked to uh, frugals um, restaurants. And it was uh, it, it really linked to these milkshakes that were um, that ended up uh, oh, yes. being right purchased by folks who were um, uh, really like immunocompromised. And, uh, you know, we, we had a discussion about like, should, should we, are we in a situation where we might want to tell people who are immunocompromised that, that eating like mixed milkshake or, you know, uh, soft serve ice cream might be risky, like, right. Like that's, that's a the, riskier that, you know, uh, than, um, to them for, certainly than, than folks in the, who are not immunocompromised, but is it a food to, to avoid? And so, so, um, this person, um, sent a really, really great uh, article or not article, a, a message to us. And, and her question is, are shake machines, the new slicers that, you know, mm -hmm. basically referencing that deli slicers are these, this like yep. historic um piece of equipment not like they're antiquated but historically they're a piece of equipment that would have been really good har harbors for listeria monocytogenes and cleaning them and sanitizing them is really really hard um and so so she kind of um you know I'll, I'll read from this at you know as an environmental health specialist in the food safety program for the last 17 years i've done plenty of outbreak investigations and i'm comfortable with disease porning, uh, reporting and gathering data for epi teams um you know, uh, this, so like a lot of, you know, a lot of different, you know, um, um, history, but she really said, um, here, um, the inner workings of a frozen dessert machine, uh, are really, really complicated. She writes, you need an aeronautical engineer to get the whole picture or at least <laughs> multiple technical drawings about five different size brushes of varying diameter and length. Um, and a time period of, of overnight to do it according to the manual to clean, to clean them. Mm. Um, she calls out a specific, um, uh, model that I, I think, I don't like, I don't think it's, you know, we're, we're obsecking or it's, you know, information that's not probably available, but it is something called the, the Taylor 5454, which is not the picture that I used, um, mm -hmm. in my slide when I talked about this. Um, but it's a, you know. Uh, she says she observed the breakdown, wash, rinse, and, rinse and sanitize of this shake machine, um, and that the standard operating procedures for this machine uh, includes a manual that's 56 pages long that would go to an hourly person to say, here's how you break down and clean and sanitize this. Um, she sent us a copy of that, um, uh, you know, uh, of the uh, um uh, operations manual um as well that i think is available online and you could see like there are um you know seven eight different things that need to come apart to clean and sanitize this correctly and so anyway um our you know our listener and friend um re really supported our conversation in the last episode where we talked about maybe bringing this up 
as an issue uh, at the Conference for Food Protection, specifically around cleaning and sanitizing of these types of machines that for, you know, because because now we got an outbreak. Uh, and well, and I wouldn't say just an outbreak, but I think we had a another outbreak that was linked to uh, Bluebell where um, the mixer and the cleaning and sanitizing of the mixer really became uh, a factor uh, in this. So, gosh, a lot, a lot here to to talk about. But I, um, but I appreciated the the message from our from our listener. Yeah, and you know, I'm just gonna say, Ben, um, milkshake mixers. That's that's my thing now. <laughs> milkshake mixers. That's your thing now. You got. I know it's it, it's in your. We're going to San San Bernardino. Ring a ding ding. Ring a ding ding. Mark Knopfler. Um, <laughs> My so. name's not Croc. My name's my name's not Croc. It's Croc with a K, oh, like gosh. crocodile, but not spelled that way. <laughs> oh <laughs> I man, just, I love that song so much. It's good. It's good. I I you know I just think if you're and you know I'm, I don't know how many listeners that we have that are in that are in industry positions where they've got either soft serve machines or milkshake mixers that that they're using. I got to think that there's a lot. Um, this would be something that I would want to look at is like, really, are we talking about, um, you know, like, are, well, are we and, really, and, yeah. And the question I have is, are, are these things NSF certified? Right. I'm well, sure it, they've got to be it, right. It's, it sounds like it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm looking yeah. at, I'm looking at the, so I clicked on the, so I yeah. found the, the, the Taylor 5454 on the Taylor website, taylorfreezer.com website. Um, and then, yeah, if you click on the info sheet, um, right at the bottom of the first page, it's uh, NSF uh, standard six. It's uh, under library underwriters uh, UL underwriter laboratories listed. Um, yeah, so foof. Um, and, and I don't I know what it, NSF standard six is, but it's obviously not good enough. Well, but so here's the thing. I think that this is what we need to revisit, right? Like mm. NSF standard six is is this machine cleanable and sanitizable? Uh, yes. Practically, can someone take this apart? and do it under like conditions like this is different than like throwing something into a dish machine right, right. like right. like if you look at the this model 5454 shake freezer um uh manual it involves a whole bunch of o-rings and 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 as was mm -hmm. pointed out by our listener five different shaped brushes that are needed to check those o-rings and all of those o-rings could be um like if not cleaned and sanitized correctly could be harborage points for listeria monocytogenes and and i'll you know i will share something that that i didn't see like that that wasn't sent to me but but this individual showed me when when we were um uh hanging out um she had some pictures of this machine that were cleaned and sanitized by an operator that you could clearly sh like see um gunk that was still there that was left right. over from right. you know that that was cleaned as per the you know how they would clean it and they would say as per the manual so right. yeah it might meet the standard but maybe this maybe we need a, an additional standard for high risk machines like this right like it's it, it's yeah. i don't know it's different yeah and this this is different to me yeah and i'll i'll read i'll read to you from the nsf website uh, NSF ANSI six dispense NSF ANSI six colon dispensing freezers. Uh, this standard establishes minimum food protection and sanitation requirements for the material design, construction, and performance of dispensing freezers and their related components. This includes heat treatment 
dispensing freezers that process and dispense previously pasteurized frozen dairy products by batch or continuous feed directly into the customer's container. So, um, and I, I'm, I'm going to try to find what the details are of how you would pass that standard. Maybe you have to pay for that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, whatever, whatever that standard is, it's, I don't think it's, it's strict enough. <laughs> well, but I mean, and I guess I could push back on the other hand and say, well, um, this is for dispensing pasteurized products. So therefore it should not contain pathogens. Right. Um, and of course, ice cream sometimes has listeria. And so, you know, where does, where does the blame lie? Right. Right. Um, I mean, I, but- I certainly want to cast, sh- share some of the blame with NSF, um, some of the blame with the company that didn't properly clean it. Some of the blame goes to the company that su- supplied the contaminated ice cream, which is yep. probably where the contamination came from in the first place. Um, yeah, but this is a, this is a thorny problem. Yeah. Yeah. This is one that I don't think we're going to like solve, um, in, in a, you know, Hey, clean and sanitize a podcast. Better. Yeah. And a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> even, even a podcast that we, that we host and even, yeah, a which is a pretty, po- pretty good podcast. I mean, as podcasts go. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, you know, I would say it's like the, um, it, it, you know, it, it's like the Hans and Franz of, of food safety podcasts. Mm. So, we, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, that, yeah, that was, that was pretty much my, you know, my entire, uh, week last week of, of these conversations, which I really, I really thought were awesome. Um, uh, I put something else in here. I don't remember this paper. Oh, we got to, uh, I don't know if we want to talk about that. That I don't know what that one is. Oh, Hey, I have a question for you. Um, sure. so I, I know you put something in here uh about uh something that's entitled sad news from oh, today yeah. and i yeah. there there's no there's no information um oh. on this so i don't know who the oh, sad news is about but i want to oh, recognize well, the sad news yeah no i i apologize um for putting a blank document in the dropbox um that's weird um oh yeah um so the all right so yeah it's so so the, yeah so uh this is a, a friend of ours friend of mine uh, Japanese scientist, not that old, uh, Hajimi Toyofoku, um, who who died relatively suddenly. And again, it's sort of a uh, not nice connection, but it, whenever I think of Hajimi, I met him first through um, FAOWHO activities. And so he was seconded from uh, the government in Japan to go um, work at FAOWHO. And I met him in some of my earliest work for FAOWHO. And uh, saw him the last time I visited Japan and the time before that in Japan. And I think he was also at the IEFP this summer. And uh, yeah, just a very nice gentleman. And uh, it's just the, it's, a, it's, a, and Michelle learned about it. Michelle shared it with me and she learned about it through her ICMSF uh, connection. So we'll find, we'll find a suitable uh, page um, uh, for Hajimi that we can link to. Oh, that's, that is, that's sad. That's too bad. Um, yeah. Oh, so if you want to ob- obtain the NSF ANSI six standard for dispensing freezers, it's one hundred and ninety five dollars. Oh, well, that's not that's not too bad. I c- we could we could do that if we want. If someone wanted to wanted us to pay for it. We could... <laughs> uh, on the other hand, if somebody already has a copy and it, and it falls off a truck into our emails, uh, we would also appreciate that. 
Yeah. Well, and and I'll give us like we often say this, right? Like, hey, if someone wants to come on and talk about this, but if like yeah. if this makes its way to like someone from Taylor who manufactures this, mm-hmm. I, I think that would be great for us to talk to someone about like what they like what what's happening with this, right? Yeah. Like what you uh, yeah. So um yeah. All right. Um so there was there are a couple other things going on that I wanted to ask you about and then you know my ongoing love of um uh apple news i've got something for you uh coming coming here is it gonna make Uh, me open the apple news app to look at it uh oh i'm i'm sure i'm sure it Mm -hmm. will um I'm going to figure that out for you. There's, it, it's a publication which I'm sure might only exist inside Apple News called 24-7 Wall Street. Um, okay. Oh, 24-7 yeah. Wall Street. Got it. 24-7 yeah. Wall Street. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can find a link to this for you. No, I found it. It's a special report um, from oh, – no, this one's 25 foods that can make you sick. This is not the one I want. Mm-hmm. No, you want 26 I, foods that make you sick. I, food, food that can kill you every day. Is this the same one? Um, it starts with, no, it's a different one. Oh my gosh. Okay. I don't, you're going to have to maybe open up. I don't even know if you're going to see this, but I'm going to, I'm going to um, somehow get this to you. Um, okay. Well, you could just like read me the headline or put yeah, the yeah. headline into, uh, into text. Yeah. The headlines come into to text right now um and it is uh from uh foods that can make you very sick or even kill you (laughs) okay (laughs) right like it's a great one it's um let's see if i can find the actual oh it it looks like i got it It, it's going to make you click through at least six pages though oh yeah no it's one of these yeah it's i can get it on from 24 7 wall street through apple news but it's not a way to share with any normal human. And so, yeah, thank you for that. No, but I think I sent you another good one. Oh, okay. Um, one that'll yeah. work eventually. It'll work. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. There's some interesting ones on here. Okay. Uh, this comes to us from uh, a, a journalist, uh, Maria Wood. Uh, foods that now, what, <laughs> do you, should we do the bit before you click through? Um, oh, well, I've, cl- I've clicked through, but I'm going to stop reading it right now. And, and we, we can play this, whatever this game is that you want. <laughs> My game is, Don, can you give me some foods that can make you very sick or even kill you? Okay. Well, um, I would say um, sardines from a wine <laughs> bar in Bordeaux, France. Okay. Yep. yep. Number one. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would say foods that contain pathogens. Um, okay. Maybe yep. maybe some uh, milk milkshake mixers, uh, ring-a-ding-ding uh, with <sighs> listeria. Um uh, 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 sprouts is sprouts on the list. People love to bash on sprouts. No, um, no, no, you miss. Uh, how about how yeah. about met? How about met? Uh, sausage no. uh, <laughs> or a pork pork liver? Um, hepatitis E. Um, no. I um, I I don't know. L- lots of foods uh, could make you very sick or even kill you, Ben. Um, uh, or, oh, why? Well, you know, I mean, uh, how about uh, how about some meatloaf from uh, Calgary? No, right? no meatloaf I mean, from Calgary. No, yeah, right. yeah you're, you're, the, the only one that that is tradition that that you and I might get to if we had enough guesses uh-huh. <laughs> is is undercooked chicken, 
and why? Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Prin principal danger uh, bacteria, including Campylobacter and Salmonella. Okay, so yeah, CDC says a million people get sick from contaminated poultry. But yeah, okay, that's that's a traditional one. But there's some there's some bangers on this list that I didn't see coming at all. And Don, my maybe the favorite one that made me do like an almost a spit take. Bay leaves. Oh, Ben, please, please tell me how bay leaves can make me very sick or even kill me. Yeah. Um, well, the principal danger, Don, is sharp edges. Oh, well. <laughs> how did he die? He was sharp cut edges. to death by a bay leaf. Every, so, and, and here, oh, so there's a beautiful, God. beautiful stock image of, of uh, bay leaves on a, on a, 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 a wooden spoon, the principal danger, uh, sharp edges, uh, the, all the information that's given here, Don, it's going to help you make a decision from 24 uh -huh. seven wall street, even watch cook, cooking shows and wonder why the chef always takes the bay leaves out of the sauce or soup before serving even watch i think that meant they mean ever watch mm -hmm. have you ever watched mm -hmm. um so don that that's the question uh, you know have, have you ever wondered why they do that well the answer is although the essential oils and bay leaves add flavor and aren't toxic to humans they're jagged edges that make them harmful to swallow they're jagged edges that make them harmful to swallow Man, this is this is not even written by Chat GPT because at least Chat GPT gets the grammar correct. Yep. Oh, yep. and I, I you know another food that I would guess. Um, uh -huh. and uh -huh. I'm only gonna guess this based on the image that shows up when you when you ah. load the story into Apple News is sprouted potatoes. So I'm sprouted gonna potatoes. guess sprouted potatoes. Yes, yes, and we've we've covered that on a risky or not risky Colony. or not. Yes. Yep. Glycoalkaloids. Yep. 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 That's on the list. I probably wouldn't have guessed it. Here's another one. There, there are a couple more that I just want to highlight. Um, we're, I'm not going to go through this whole list, uh, but here are ones that I just found very funny. Um, Don, you know it's fall, right? Are you what, what's your what's your pumpkin spice latte situation? Um, you, you're you're a fan. I'm, are you, I'm, I, I am. I no, I don't like pumpkin spiced anything. Okay, so um, sorry. Well, well, is it because it might it, it, because it it contains a spice that that might kill you or even make you make make you sick um no oh no, well I actually don't like the taste maybe maybe i'm not even um what what's in pumpkin spice by the way <laughs> maybe i don't know oh, for sure because I, I, I if you say it i would wreck nutmeg is oh it, oh you know what people nutmeg is the thing that um bored teenagers sometimes take yeah, to get high i think they, right i think so yeah I thought maybe pumpkin spice would also have cinnamon, but I, it turns out it probably it doesn't. So, um, but but on this list for twenty from twenty four seven Wall Street, um, uh, they uh, say um, cinnamon is uh, one of those foods that might might make you sick or even kill you. What? How? How would that work, Don? If you had to guess, um. I, I don't know, um, because right now uh, I'm looking for a link um, to the famous um, Long Winter song, um, uh, Cinnamon. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. Well, so. Um, because that's that's much more entertaining than thinking about um, uh, whatever it is that this article is doing. Well, the principal danger in Cinnamon Dawn is choking hazard. Also, um, uh, oh. 
Oh, on oh cinnamon sticks sure I okay guess. that makes sense yeah. yeah um also uh and this is this is a new one to me um uh, uh scarring of lungs so uh are you familiar with okay. the lung, lung scarring from from your from maybe an apple pie spice um so no I, just... I am i am familiar with uh popcorn workers lung <laughs> yep yep which uh, is something different than that one of one of the four types of cinnamon the dark colored cassia cinnamon is the one you're most likely to buy in the US. Consuming okay. large quantities of cassia cinnamon may be toxic if you have liver problems because some cinnamon products contain coumarin, a common ingredient in oh, rat poison. Right. Yes. Right, right. Well, yeah, coumarin is, yeah, it's also, it's in warfarin. Yeah, it's, it's a blood yep. thinner, basically. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. The faddish, quote, cinnamon challenge that first became popular in the early years of this century, <laughs> it, okay. involves, it involves eating a spoonful of ground cinnamon in less than a minute without washing it down, poses another problem. The powdered spice can cause choking or vomiting and damage the esophagus or lungs. So, so the food, I guess, Dawn, really it's not the, it's not foods that can make you very sick or even kill you. It's if you were to like eat a whole bunch of them, a whole bunch of cinnamon without water, which is not how I would do that normally. Well, I don't. And do you know, do you know, Ben, um, how, um, like, did you know, like that sugar can kill you? Um, because if you're walking along a street in a comical cartoon sort of way, and, uh, a, 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 a big load of cinnamon <laughs> or sugar, or oh, sugar man. and cinnamon that's being lifted up the side of a building. If the rope suddenly breaks, um, that could come that, down and hit you on the head. That could be an issue. Yeah. And that could kill you. That could that that is food that could kill you. It is definitely food that could kill you. Yeah. Um, did we do uh I think we did. So there's another thing on the on the list. Um a uh a, a, a cheese called casu marzu. Are you familiar with yeah, this? Yeah, we, we we've talked about this. I think uh, on on risky or not. Yeah, yeah. What what, what what do you think we said on that? Casu Marzu. I think I'm going to guess not risky. Yeah, um, I think we did. But that's just a guess. Oh, because yeah, it's it's, it's, got, it's got a lot. It's got maggots in it, right? Yeah. Not risky. Not risky. We did a whole episode on this. Okay. So, cool. In fact, we did a whole episode on this, and and Don, you might recognize the picture from our website. <laughs> Risky or not, from the picture that is used for Kasumarzu in this article of Foods That Might Kill You, because it is, mm -hmm. in fact, the one in the same. It, and it's uh, probably, my guess is it's probably the picture from the Wikipedia website. It is. Yeah, yeah it's from yeah. Wikipedia, Wikimedia Commons. Um, so anyway, uh, the reason why 24-7 uh, Wall Street says you could you could die or get sick from Kasumarzu, um, I will read this because I think it's probably my favorite paragraph. If And, and I'll use... I will use paragraph loosely in when I read this. <laughs> Everybody loves cheese, right? But Casu Marzu may not be to everyone's taste, except in Sardinia, where the locals love this cheese, once tagged, quote, the world's most dangerous because it's filled with live maggots, which digest the milk proteins, turning the cheese creamy and soft, period. Unfortunately, ingesting any of the maggots could result in myosis, tiny holes in the intestine caused by the maggot bites, period. So. <sighs> wow, this is a super, 
this is a super clickbaity website because it's, you know, I hate these articles where it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give you like three paragraphs of nothing. And then you have to click through each time to read three more paragraphs of nothing. Yeah, oh, this gosh. is horrible. Oh, this this website should be burned to the ground. This is why I su subscribe to Apple News, though, Don, <laughs> is, is for this. is food, and, and you can see the headline here is exactly why I want to. I want this, right? Like I, I want, I, this is my, my whole, my whole favorite thing is these types of things. All right. So, um, yeah. All right. We can just, well, at least, out. at least Apple news d does, uh, sort of aggregate this. So you don't have to click through. You can actually just read it all at once. That is a nice feature. Yeah, I do. I'm a fan of that. Oh yeah. Uh, cherry pits, hydrogen cyanide. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's some, there's some better, oh, you, you know, know, what? you know, what can also kill you, Ben is toxic mushrooms. Toxic mushrooms we see, yep, see earlier in this podcast. Yep. Yep. Oh, um, you know, oh, this, is a, this is a good one. Uh, Tetrodotoxin from uh, Blowfish. Yes, that could kill you. Yeah. I, these are all good ones. Yeah. 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 Um, so oh, hot dogs, uh, choking hazard. Uh, that's, a, that's a nice one. Hadn't thought <laughs> that, of that. Yeah. Okay. That I forgot. <laughs> I did forget about that one. Um, peanut butter choking. There's a lot of choking hazards in here. <laughs> peanut oh, butter. Wait, peanuts, peanuts, peanut butter, choking hazard, peanuts, aflatoxin. Man, stay away from those peanuts. Yeah. The, oh. uh, you know who, you know who won't like that is the peanut proud people who <laughs> sponsor the, the uh, uh, IAFP peanut proud uh, scholarship, I think. It's, oh, uh, now here's a good one. Did you know that raw honey presents a principal danger of Clostridium botulinum? To infants. To infants, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but also uh, pyrazolidine alkaloids to everyone else. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um. All right. I'm I'm. I, I'm moving. I, uh, I, ha I have to say, though, that this, I do like I have found something that Apple News is good for, which is letting me read this article without having to repeatedly click. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, yeah. No, that, that's, that's all right. I found one good feature of Apple News and content for our podcast. And, well, and content for our podcast. Yes. Yeah. Oh, um, last last one on the list, Ben, because it's alphabetical. Uh, what other better way to do this? Unpasteurized dairy products. So that's <laughs> at the end of the list because unpasteurized. Yep, unpasteurized. You, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I, that's, uh, you know, all in all, not not a bad not a bad list. Uh, I'll say. Uh, in the end, it did give us uh, several minutes of of uh, entertaining content. Of good, yeah, good, good content. Uh, okay. The other thing I saw on on uh, uh, Apple News this week is. Mm -hmm. Um, the, it's something that has, I guess, reared its, its head again, um, that, that is uh, apparently coming to us via TikTok. Uh, Ooh. but, but I learned about it through, um, MSN on Apple news, um, fried rice syndrome. Are you, are you familiar with oh, fried rice we've, syndrome? We've, yeah. We've, we've talked about this many, right. many times over the past. Um, yeah, it's back. Uh, it's it's now trending on TikTok. Okay. Yep. Uh, what we know about the term trending on TikTok, users have become astonished by a 20-year-old student who died from the syndrome and the general lack of understanding about food safety. Um, the uh, article that I just sent you has, it's again talking about fried rice, um, but has a great picture of leftover mushrooms and vegetable noodles. <laughs> <laughs> Which are, is there no, is there no, are there no standards? There are no standards anymore. Does... <laughs> Does anybody remember leftovers? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's the show title. There it is. There it is. Um, 
So though the the pasta was kept in food safe containers, AJ, who uh, became ill from fried rice syndrome in in you know uh, in 2011, uh, kept kept it all sitting on uh, the counter at room temperature for five days and got I think it was bacillus serious. And there is a journal. Yep. Um, article on this that we have talked about. And this is different from the individual who ate fried rice leftovers or rice leftovers that were held at room temperature and ended up having his limbs amputated. Um, this this is a, a different one. Um, but yeah, so bacillus serious, fried rice syndrome, it, it's popping up on TikTok. And it's about like really egregious, um, you know, situations. I watched a couple of these videos. Um, and there are a couple of pretty good ones that are, you know, not exactly right. And there are some good ones where it often, you know, uh, bacillus serious often doesn't lead to this type of death. Usually these are, these are very rare cases in patients that have weaker immune systems. So there's some good stuff about that. But, it, you know, the, the TikTok's an interesting spot um, where, where the old is new again. Um, and uh, so, yeah, but. I don't know. Any, any, you got anything else on this? No, but just some interesting follow-up. Um, when I Googled, um, does anybody remember laughter? Um, I found an article um, on the website uh, faroutmagazine.co.uk where the headline is the Led Zeppelin ad lib that still embarrasses Robert Plant. So apparently uh, he's he's very upset um, that he said, uh, does anybody remember laughter? And he's very embarrassed by it. But, you know, honestly, it's... Uh, you know, it's just it's just in our in our consciousness now because of that live recording of that song. So yep. don't be embarrassed, yep. Robert. No, I it's it's great. It, I'm not embarrassed to to use it as a joke. Uh, exactly about, about leftovers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So there's my stuff. I want so I want to talk about Joe Para. Yeah, um, but I didn't. I need you to tell me more about it because oh, I did not watch I, anything. It's so it's yeah. Uh, all right. So again, well, and this is kind of in the in the context of um, weird things that TikTok brings us. Yeah, and so I, um, I basically, well, let, you know what? Let's. You want to do it? This will make your editing work harder. Do you want to listen to this? This uh, do one two three. Listen to this. No, or let's not? do it. Let's, no, okay. let's do one two three. So, listen. Yeah. All right. Me, so me let little, me send you yeah. the link. Yeah. I've got Don. I'm a, I'm an editing um, ninja. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So so get that get that link up and loaded. Okay. okay. And okay. then I don't know how long it is, but it doesn't go on too long. Um, and we can always cut. So it's, let me know when you're ready. Okay. Hang on. It's two minutes. Let me see. Make sure. Oh, okay. Yep. I think I got it all here. Okay. You ready to do a three, two, one, go? Yep. Yep. Three, two, one, go. Hello. My name is Joe Para. Every Tuesday, I come to my grocery store to reprise my role as shopper. <laughs> it's a fun role, but also quite challenging. According to the Food Marketing Institute, from 1975 to 2008, <laughs> the number of products in the average supermarket swelled from 9,000 to over 46,000. What is happening? This is <laughs> just, just keep watching. That's more than I need. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I'm yes. doing my impression of Jim Carrey in the 2008 <laughs> no. film, Yes Man. In my mind, I just asked myself three simple questions about this product. Oh my gosh. And it is, yep. Should I this product this? is a banana. Can I eat this? Yep. Can I afford this food? If I say yes to all three, I'll get it. Yes, yes, yes. In a modern supermarket where I can have anything, I must draw the line myself. Like the casino, it promises good times. So without restraint, <laughs> I will get ruined. <laughs> this, this, is, this is phenomenal. Yeah. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No, yes, no, yes. No, yes. I'm always struck by the colors of Swiss chart, but never know what to do with it and end up chucking it over the fence. <laughs> over the fence? Over the fence. My budget each week is $70. To keep myself honest, I'll pre-write a check oh. and not even bring cash <laughs> oh, or credit card. Oh, my to the gosh. With this check, I aim to get the calories necessary to be an effective grandson, boyfriend, a United States citizen. Oh. <laughs> if I stick to my list, I should be all right. Coffee, butter, oatmeal. I'm sorry, this TMI. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This okay. so is I again, and the the beauty of TikTok is that it will just suddenly serve something up to you. And I just I saw this and I thought, oh, this is amazing. And I just kept watching it. And then also I'm like. Now I kind of imagine when you're walking through a supermarket, Ben, because I know you like to walk through a yes. supermarket. Yes, yes, of, yes. I kind of imagine like something similar, right? Like that you're that you're uh, with a, maybe a little bit more animation, <laughs> but, but I mean, there's just something so sweet and quiet and simple about him. Like, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I just, I just, I just, I just thought it was just, just really just delightful. You know? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, yeah, no, known for his slow, this is from, uh, Joe Perez Wikipedia page known mm -hmm. for his slow grandfatherly delivery and his penchant for wearing sweaters pair created the adult swim infomercial Joe Para talks you to sleep. Um, and so, yeah, I guess this is a uh, Joe Para goes, goes grocery shopping. Um, oh, and look at that. He was born in Buffalo, New York. Uh, right. and he studied film at Ithaca college. How I don't think. I, yeah. So there, there you go. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is, this is something. And I, so what I couldn't figure out was whether this was like, whether it was a bit or it was legit, but it is a bit, but it's a funny bit. Oh, it's no. And, and it's, and it's like, this is, this is apparently what, so he has this show, uh, um, on adult swim, um, yeah. or actually several shows on adult swim. And, uh, yeah, this is just, this is just what he does. Right. <laughs> oh man. Oh, and he's a, he was the voice of Christopher in the episode of Fairy on my wayward Bob and Linda on Bob's Burgers, which Bob's Burgers is a big oh. fan or it's a big, uh, big hit in our house where uh, we, okay. we, love, we love Bob's Burgers. Um, oh, man. So, yeah. OK, good, good. That That's a uh, little, little Joe Para. I, and um, I, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty hilarious. Um, yeah, I I, I I just it just it just was just one of these weird things that appealed to me, and I thought you might like it as well. So yeah, yeah, good. Okay, so um, the last well, maybe not the last thing I want to talk about, but something I wanted to talk about was um, a message that our friend Michelle sent us um, about bagged salads. Do you wanna you wanna <laughs> go into this uh, today? Yeah, sure. I got time. 
Okay, good. So um, do, you, do you remember this? You want me to send you the thread? There's a link here um, and I'll send you the paper um, as well. Uh, and uh, this, this, as always, um, is some, so, you know, we're on a, we're on a whole, like, uh, um, you know, other, other worldly, uh, text and, um, uh, email threads. So, um, so, so Michelle wrote, um, our friend Linda, and again, uh, we, I, you and I are going to discuss it, but I, wanna, I think we need to like set the stage here. Um, yes. There was a paper that that Michelle was a or not Michelle that Linda was a, a co-author on with a whole bunch of different folks that I've cited multiple times. Yep. Um, that that I continue to, to cite today about re really so it's the title is uh, published in Food Protection Trends. Uh, I, the um, the paper was published there. The title is Recommendations for Handling Fresh Cut Leafy Green Salads by Consumers and Retail Food Service Operators. Okay. Yep. And and so this paper uh, appears that the it is it is grayed out because I need to be a um, a uh, uh, a member to get it, but I I don't know if that's really it, true. It's from two thousand seven. Well, no, you, yeah, you do you do I have to sign pay in. for it to get yeah from that website. But if you just Google the title, um, I believe it is also hosted for free on um uh, Linda's website. Maybe I I found I it. it before. Yeah. Um posted somewhere on the internet so here's yeah. another link okay so so essentially the the um the takeaway from this that i use all all the time and hopefully i get this right is 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 after looking at the literature around pre-washed or triple washed um cut leafy greens fresh cut leafy greens uh this this group who i don't know like it was a panel of scientists i don't know who really command or not commanded who brought this group together to do this. I'm not sure if that's even in the paper. Um, yeah. but, but essentially the recommendation is not to rewash these pre-washed, um, cut leafy greens if they're labeled that because the a consumer or a retailer will not be able to reduce risk any further and can only right. increase risk. Right. right. So that, that's right. the, that, that's the, the message. And so, so that, you know, th and this paper was published in 2007. Um, some other, you know, great names on this, on this paper, who, who all, all the best names, Christine Brune, Larry Beauchat, um, Mary Palumbo, Jim Gorney, uh, Katie Swanson, Jeff Farber, Linda Harris, uh, Mike Osterholm, Michelle Smith, I probably skipped a, a Dave Gombas, Barbara Cassins, um, Pascal Delacuy, Keith, Keith Ito, and I think that yeah, was Yeah, it's like a who's who of food safety. Yeah. So, so like, I mean, some of the, certainly some of the smartest people in food safety um, looked at this. And so Michelle's question to Linda was, um, is it time to revisit this? Right? Like, I think this needs to be updated. Does the advice remain the same? I'm seeing a movement of consumer recommendations to rewash, rewash, triple wash lettuce. Um, and, um, yeah. And so Linda said that the history is it came up with some, you know, rogue <laughs> inspectors and we won't call out uh, who, who that was started demanding mm. restaurants, wash bag salads. A committee was set up. Who, don't remember who brought the group together. We met in Davis, re reviewed the current research, came to a consensus and wrote the paper. Um, and so M Michelle's message was if someone came at you with 
came at you with changing safer alternative language from freshly prepared salads, homemade and used within a day of preparation to wash or pre-wash fresh produce for pre-packaged salads or pre-prepared salads. How would you feel about that? That was the question. But, but I, you know, I guess the, you know, I, you know, used within a day of preparation, I think is, is where it gets into, um, the, uh, um, the, the, the question of, you know, um, uh, fresh cut leafy green salads, right? Like, so I, I don't know, I don't know where the, where the question's coming from. I don't, you know, I'm not sure, but I, I thought it was worth us talking about revisiting this paper. And if there are additional data out there or additional recommendations that you thought could be made um, as a result of what we've learned since 2007, even though neither of us were on the panel, <laughs> would we? Yeah, I'm yeah. not. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I mean, people can keep insisting that that people need to tr rewash, triple wash lettuce, but again, I I don't think the science has changed on that. I don't think it it doesn't have any effect on lowering the risk, and it might increase the risk. And again, I, I think um, uh, as Linda writes, I think rather sagely. Um, personally, I don't care if someone wants to wash bag salads if it makes them feel better. They right. just shouldn't believe it that it'll make them any safer. Um, and it has the possibility to make them less safe. And I, yeah, I, I would agree with Linda. I don't. And in fact, just as a funny um, uh, connection back, uh, this was one of the questions that uh, that Shane asked me during our interview yesterday. He's like, hey, do you do you trust them that they're that they did it right when they triple wash it or do you rewash it? I'm like, I I trust that they did it right. And I and, and I know that rewashing it one more time is not going to have any effect on risk. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't I don't, I don't, again, I don't, I would, I'm perfectly, I mean, I think certainly it's always worth revisiting these issues um, to see whether things have changed, but I'm not sure that anything has changed. Right. Yeah. I, so this is, I, I think it's an interesting one because, um, and we talked about this either in the last episode or episode before, one of the questions that came up from the producers of the poison documentary that I think they asked everybody because it, mm. it, 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 like it ended up being the narrative was like, mm. what are foods that you don't eat? Right. Yep. And and I I remember being, um, uh, um, like being asked that question during the the interview that I did, and I did not say pre you know pre wash or triple wash lettuce or romaine or you know leafy greens or whatever whatever it was. But I I gathered from my, like you know again what I remember about this from two and a half years ago. I, I think they asked, well, what about those types of products? Do you eat them? And I was like, yeah, I, I eat them. Like I, I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm not all that concerned. And then talked about like exactly what you just kind of laid out that, that triple yep. washed or pre-washed it, you know, there, there is a process that the, that the industry is, um, you know, you know, developed. It's not like a standard that's out there, but I have a good mm -hmm. feeling that I know what it means. Have there been outbreaks associated with it? Absolutely. There are, you know, I, I don't see the the product as risky as something like, you know, Vibrio and raw oysters. Right. And, but right. I think I'm in the minority of those who were interviewed for that, for, for poison, because I, you know, if I, you know, I know for sure um, Bill Marler said he, he doesn't eat those, those products. Right. right. Um, there were a number of other people who said that they don't eat romaine lettuce, um, you know, sort of anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, 
that that but so i think that that's part of the part of the reason why this is being revisited right like like i i do you know i do eat these products i'm actually got a, um, a conversation tomorrow with some folks um internally who who do a lot of work on nutrition education behavior who watched poisoned and they're like hey mm -hmm. could you come sit down with us for half an hour and tell us why people say not to eat romaine lettuce yeah and i'm like yeah I, yeah I can tell you why people are saying that but i don't subscribe to the same like i i i i don't i it's not a food that that i explicitly avoid um but i think like um you know mike doyle i think has said he, he would only eat and I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but if I remember correctly, that he eats head lettuce as opposed to yeah. Well, right? like, yeah, and yeah. I was going to make that comment as well. Is if you want to eat romaine lettuce and you want to lower your risk, yeah. Um, I think head lettuce versus the pre-washed is probably lower risk. But again, I would you'd have to ask the question: Well, how many outbreaks linked to one versus the other? What's the total amount consumed of one versus the other? Uh, et cetera. Yeah. And our, our go-to when we can find it in the stores is um, uh, pre-washed arugula uh, just because I think it holds up better uh, and, yep. and it is a, is a hardier product that is less likely, not that it's impossible, but it is less likely. Like the thing that always worries me about the pre-washed stuff is it gets back, the lettuce leaves get banged up. <clears throat> And when they get banged up, um, they uh, they you know the 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 places where the leaves have been bent or injured, um, there's moisture and food available. So if there's bacteria there, they're gonna they're gonna start to to multiply. Uh, versus a head lettuce might be less likely. But also, I really do think about um, when you're when they're when these op when these washing operations are done. And the industry's gotten a lot better at this, but I I still don't think that they're perfect. Right when when you're washing all these these heads of lettuces heads of lettuce mixed together into one flume tank um the there's a possibility of taking one contaminated head and making it into many contaminated heads and that's basically the analysis um that michelle and i showed in our uh, leafy greens risk assessment which was published quite some time ago but again it's it, by by putting these things together and mixing them up you take one you know bit of contamination and you now spread that dose over many 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 more servings and although the dose is lower uh the overall effect on illnesses is is much higher so instead of one head um, certainly making someone sick. Now you have hundreds of heads that have a lower probability of making people sick, but the overall number of people impacted is is much uh, is potentially much greater. So so yeah, I mean I think there's logic behind Mike's statement, um, and certainly there are yes, if you are very concerned about risk, you could avoid these products. But if you, I mean, we eat, I mean, most of the lettuce that we eat is is comes in, you know pre washed right uh, yep. in in our house. So obviously, I'm not. If I were to say that I avoid that, I'm that would be lying, right? Because um, there is that is the convenience factor. So, Absolutely. yeah, it's and a it's a tricky one. But I don't. But again, to come back to the original point, I don't think the article needs to be updated, right? Unless just to reiterate that the 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 the, the, the article still stands, right? I'm still citing it today, yep. because I yep. get asked the question. A hundred hundred percent, and I'm I'm in the same I'm in the same camp. I, yeah, um, okay, so. I, thanks to me finding that article on a website, mm -hmm. uh, I found another article on a website called "Is It Safety?" Um, okay, there's there's a couple of links coming your way right now. Okay. Um, is it safe to eat romaine lettuce? Uh, and this is if you watch the trending documentary, you're not scared to eat romaine lettuce. Here's what you should know. 
Um, and there's some good, there's some good stuff in here. This is from eating well. Um, CDC says millions of servings of leafy greens are eaten safely every day in the U S which is good. The denominator matters, right? Like that's, that's very, I think that's really, really important. And CDC. So even though there are lots of folks on, on the poison documentary that, that talk about, this is something that I don't eat CDC whom I still trust. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to be real mm-hmm. clear. Yep. Yep. It has lots of information about this saying that, you know, romaine lettuce products that have labels like Ready, triple wash and no washing necessary are not needed to be washed um, further. And, th- you know, it's not like they have a health advisory. Um, although pre-washed greens sometimes cause illness, the commercial washing process helps remove germs that can be removed by washing. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. But as I scrolled down to this, <laughs> yes. it led to some other good stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, and I know we talked about this, uh, I don't know if it was last episode, a couple episodes ago, but you, it, it was a while ago now. It must've been in back in August, but you had this great paper published about t- a pizza out of temperature th- with mo- mo- you know, modeling. But I just want to highlight, Don, we have an uphill battle here. Um, yep. This is an article from Eating Well. Is it safe to eat pizza that's been left out overnight? Question mark. Um, from uh, Megan Stein Steintrager. Um, quote, let's cut to the chase. It's not safe to eat pizza that's le- been left out overnight, says Carly said uh, Lisek, a registered dietitian from the Cleveland Clinic's Center for Hum- Human Nutrition. Pizza is considered a perishable food and can be left, and if left out, can cause bacteria to grow and lead to possible foodborne illness, such as those caused by Staph aureus, E. coli, or Campylobacter. Bacteria often grows when it's in the danger. Like this is all just like standard stuff that that really is not risk based, right? Like it, it, it's it, it, it. We have an uphill battle to talk about people about pizza being left out overnight, and that you well and you, yeah, yeah. And I'll say, you know, if you want advice about diet, talk to a registered dietitian. Yep. If you want advice about food safety, um, don't talk to a registered dietitian. Talk to a food safety expert. And conversely, if you want advice on what to eat from a dietary point of view, don't talk to a food safety expert because that's not our expertise, right? Yep. So I really wish people, and again, nothing against uh, um, uh, Ms. Uh, Sedlicek, but uh, stop asking registered dietitians for food safety advice. They're yeah. not the experts, you know? And. And I don't know, like, I mean, I just like, like all of our great hits are here, right? How long can cooked chicken stay in the fridge? Um, I bet you you're going to find in here that it says three to four days. Yep, there it is. Three to four days because of the, you know, danger zone and and whatever in your fridge temperature. How to thaw turkey frozen, how to thaw frozen turkey safely. Clicked on this. It says don't do it on the, uh, you know, on the counter. These are not like, I don't know. I'm going to rant about this because it's like, this is not. This is antiquated, not risk-based information. This comes right. from a like a long time ago, and I think we need to do a better job, um, you know, at this. And and really, some of the places where this where this information comes from are people that have reached out to us saying, "Do you know where the data is to sh- for this message yeah, that we put right. out?" And yeah. we say, "No, there isn't any." And they're like, "Okay, good, thank you." <laughs> Well, so, and like we can, and we can like again, this eating well website is just, it's full of, of nonsense. Um, how long can cooked chicken sit out, Ben? What do you want to, I haven't clicked on it yet. This would, this could be a new game. 
Right? Yep. Read yep. the headline and guess the answer. How yep. long can cooked chicken sit out? I bet that it's two hours. What I bet you. Talking. I bet you it's right. Um, um, here we go. Uh, unless the cooked chicken is kept warm above 140, the general rule of thumb is it should not sit on the kitchen table for more than two hours. Yep. yep. There you go. Boom. Standard advice. Probably Ugh. probably very conservative. Um, is it okay to eat leftover rice? Oh, um, oh gosh. What do you go. think, Ben? Um, I oh. used, of course I eat leftover rice all the time. Um, okay. yeah. The answer is yes. Okay. But, hmm. but, um, violation of Betteridge's law. <laughs> yeah. Once cooked, you got four hours in the danger zone. Okay. Okay. If um, you're do food expiration dates really mean anything, uh, I'm no. going to guess no. If Betteridge is correct. Um, they're not required. Different dates okay. have different that's meanings. A, that's a, that's a, that's a different, different question. question. <laughs> How long will my food last? If it goes past the expiration, date? another different question is food safe after it expires. Expression days, yeah, probably right there. Yeah, for example, they didn't answer that question. Okay, how how to how can you tell if yogurt is bad, Ben? I'm gonna say I know when yogurt is bad when it has mold on it. Other than that, yeah. it's fine. It's already spoiled milk. Um, how do I tell if yogurt is bad? Um, nutritious. How long does it last? I can read on the read on to discover. Um. What to know about the, how to tell? Okay, here it took me to get to the bottom. Okay, uh, when handling how to tell if yogurt has gone bad. When handling perishable foods like yogurt, is crucial to trust your senses, appearance, smell, and taste. Okay, that's actually not okay. terrible. Yep, can that that one's fine. I, you know what, eating well. So needs? did they ever did they ever tell you how to tell if yogurt is bad? They they say um, uh, if it. If you notice the, the container is bloated, this is a sign of spoilage. Uh, if it's uh, fresh yogurt, it should have a neutral scent. If you notice any rancid, mm -hmm. it's time to toss it out. Okay. And if it, right. hopefully the tips give you enough information. But if it tastes bad, it, it's exceptionally sour, um, it might be spoiled. <laughs> mm, it's already mm. spoiled. It's mm. already spoiled. It starts off as spoiled milk. Yeah. Oh, um, it does is, say. Is it safe to go ahead? Ditch, ditch your yogurt if it's got noticeable mold. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, is it safe to leave eggs out on the counter? Uh, I'm going to say for no more than two hours is what they say. Um, yes. Eggs should be refrigerated. Um, again, we have talked uh, ad nauseum almost about, about eggs and egg safety and what the risk is and uh, the yolk membrane breakdown, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, in their um, eating well, I went to their uh, about, about, us right because mm -hmm. that's where i like to find things about people there what our food and nutrition philosophy right um mm. in there if you uh, uh command f and put in safety it doesn't exist so their food and nutrition <laughs> philosophy is goes through about how they test their recipes nutritional analysis how they an analyze it they talk about allergens they talk about different you know um you know low fat and things but they don't you know, not included in their philosophy is a risk-based approach to food safety. And that is <laughs> correct based on their, on their outputs. But yep. shouldn't, shouldn't they have someone who says work with us, join our team of editors recipe. Do you want to join their team of editors? Well, I don't, I don't really have time to take on additional responsibilities. I don't, I don't know what it's like being a department head, but being a department chair, especially yeah. a department chair, I kind of got my hands full. It's true. Yeah. Lots of things I'd like to do, Ben, but I just have to say no. 
don't have time to do this. I think they need a editor who's a food safety person. And I think they could find people to do that. Dot yeah. dash Meredith brands. Are you familiar with them? This is a conglomerate no. that um, they're America's largest digital and print publisher. They Their brands include People, Better Homes and Gardens. I'm familiar with those very well. Food and wine, the spruce, all recipes. We 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 we're fans yeah, we, of all we, recipes. We're well, we're we're readers of all recipes. readers, consumers. Southern Living, Investopedia. Um, they probably could use. So when I said to, when I went to work with us, join our team of editors, I looked at job openings and it gave me eighty three, no ninety, sorry ninety three job openings um, for um, dot dash. Wow not including food safety editor didn't see that vp of security didn't see that one associate editor knights like i don't know what that means oh it, it's an it, you're the night shift not not night uh, shift on a website on a website you got the you're you're uh, mondays to fridays 2 p.m to 10 10 p.m pst well there you go Oh, this person in this role must be comfortable covering content from all of people's 16 verticals. How are you with the, with the verticals? Well, you know, I'm, I'm good with 15 of the 16 verticals. <laughs> well, leave it to you to guess which vertical I'm, I'm not. Uh, okay. Okay. So I'm going to give you some, some examples of verticals that you <laughs> the might. Verticals. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, I, uh, this spans uh, entertainment and Royals. <laughs> Royals okay, is a vertical right. Royals. to crime and human interest to lifestyle content. Um, and then you collaborate closely with the vertical editors as needed. So there's, yeah, there might be some other verticals that are off that list. <laughs> I, ben, I don't collaborate with vertical editors. I only collaborate with the horizontal editors. <laughs> well, I, I might, I might collaborate with the person, the person editor who's involved in the Royals. I do like the, you know, I like the, I like the crown. One of my, one of my favorite, Maybe that would make me um, suitable for this position. I did really enjoy that Netflix uh, docudrama, The Royal, the the Crown, not the Royals. Uh, I, think, I think you're thinking of the Royal Tannenbaums. Oh, I also like that. That's a great movie. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Thank thank you for uh, indulging me in my my internet rabbit hole. Oh no, ah. this is you find such good stuff on your Apple News. I do, I do, and it takes us into so many different places. Uh, I don't, I, I don't have anything else. I think we I, went through I, everything that's yeah. in our. Yeah, is that, I think that's a. Yeah. I think that's a show. I think, unless I think it's a show. Yeah. Um, well, join us. Uh, join us next time for when we play uh, another round of find something that pisses Don and Ben off on <laughs> Apple News. <laughs> Besides uh, just Apple News itself. Yeah, Although I have we, to say, I did learn one very good thing about Apple News, and that yeah. is that it will let you, it will aggregate these multiple click sites. So it will, uh, it will. It's almost, that's, that's kind of, it's got me on the tipping point, Ben. I might, but here's the thing, Ben, I don't have time between, between playing SimCity and watching TikTok and just doing my department chair job, as well as all of my other jobs. I don't really have any free time to start reading news. Oh, and listening to podcasts. Um, I do that, but that's, that's a multitasking activity, right? That's true. Yeah. Multitask. I, I do that while I do the other things sometimes. So, all right. Well, I think this has been a show. Okay. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs>
Oh, oh dear. Man, we hit the ground running on that one. We didn't even like we we went straight into food safety, food that safety was a, talk. Yeah. yeah, food safety talk. Uh cool. Okay. September 26th. Um I would like to propose Yes, you sir. Go ahead. Yes, yes, that we look at maybe um, Tuesday, October tenth, anytime before two p.m. as a new as a as a good time for us to to continue recording our show. I I would be delighted to do any time before three p.m. I, I will be coming to you from my new location. Uh, in oh moving, new department department yeah, head office. Yeah, new department head office in in Rick's Hall. Not to to opsec, but if people listen this far, they can probably find does, it. Does, by does Rick it. does Rick does Rick know that you're in his hall? He lets us he lets us in. We uh, you know he's like uh, leave a leave leave a couple of dollars at the door when you leave uh, for for renting my hall, and he lets us yeah lets us do our thing. But I believe I would like to test it out because I will move oh. there on the fifth. Um, yeah. No, no, and and I, I like I know the internet's going to work, no problem. But um, I would like us to plan to to record that day because I think that there's a good sound baffling in the room because I asked for okay. it, oh, and cool. I want to hear from the people around me um, if they can hear us oh, when, when we when got we it record. Yeah, got it. So you don't you don't want the sound baffling for purposes of the audio on the show. You want it no. for purposes of not annoying your neighbors. Correct. Correct. Yep. <laughs> yep. And the audio on the show will be great too. <clears throat> Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So, so what time would you like to do it? Uh, I don't, do you want to look at like, I, you know, what's the least disruptive in your day? Like, do you want to do nine to 11? Do you want to do 11 to one? Um, you know, um, well, I mean, I would, I would say one do- to three. Oh, but you can't, you yeah. got to hard stop at two. So I got yeah, to let's, one, let's noon do, till two. Let's, um, yeah, is that okay with you? Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. Okay. Yep, I cool. I've got nothing else. So, uh, except for your two p.m. hard stop, but my two p.m. hard stop, which is a weekly meeting that I don't have to go to all the time, so it's not even really a hard stop. And if we get really cool. into it or something happens, um, cool. I can skip it. And then the uh, cool. the thing I have at three is movable too. But you have a hard cool. out at three. Yeah, I have. Uh, well, I mean, it's 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 a Constitution and Bylaws subcommittee Ooh. meeting, so I could I could miss that if I had to, because I'm I'm the chair of the committee, but I'm not on the subcommittee. I just show up when needed. Yeah, so, like, that's uh, that's I could show up late to that if I needed yeah. to. So we're good. Is that an, I, is that an IAFP Constitution? It is. It oh, is. That's, that's the very one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. we're talking about uh, categories of membership, and there's been people are interested in having another category of membership because three is not enough. Um, <laughs> So. Can we just? I sorry. I thought it would go the other way that we want just one <laughs> category <laughs> member, non-member. So there's not even a second category. It's just one member. No. Okay. No. In industry, academia, and government. And, and what's uh, the people, third? People. What's with the fourth? Well, NGOs. Uh, what about consumers? You know, blah blah blah. It's not. It's. I don't think it's going to happen. But um, we just need to. I mean, again, we, we want everyone to feel included, yeah. um, but we also don't want to make another category. Right. Well, what about um, not, not, not applicable? That could be well, the category. No, the, the, no, well, 
No, because then every four years we have to <laughs> we have to elect a non-applicable. No, no, no. We don't have to elect them. We don't have to elect them. We just oh, well, no. See, so this that, is for purposes of this is for purposes of leadership. So this is oh, this is all I about see. people that want to become on the go, want to join the executive board. And mm -hmm. and basically, I think what we're going to end up with is like you you can be any category you want. Just pick the one that's the closest. You know, it's yeah. like a multiple choice question. You know, um, pick the best answer. <laughs> no, yeah, just, it might not be the perfect answer, but pick the best answer. Just yeah, exactly. It's not yeah this the, the, what what is most yeah mo most good here um oh all right cool i think that's uh i think that's it and i think we are definitely going with does anybody remember leftovers, leftovers. as our show title <laughs> <laughs> oh so good uh all right cool i will uh i'll talk to you later sounds good bye bye